Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I am coming to you today from my home near Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. Today, I am chatting with Jeff Olson, who is the Managing Director of the Citizens Environmental Alliance in Saskatchewan. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for inviting me, Jenna. So, Jeff, just to start us off, um, could you just share a little bit about who who you are and, and what you do and, and maybe a little bit about the journey that led you to this work? Right. Yes. Um, I'm the manager directing director of the uh, Citizens Environmental Alliance. Uh, I, I actually retired about five years ago. Uh, as a civil servant for for 36 years uh, in the environmental field. I was a conservation officer initially, uh, starting out uh, in the 90s, became a wetland specialist. And later after that, uh, was a watershed planner with the provincial government, uh, led the plans on the uh, South Saskatchewan and the Lower Surus and the Upper Surus source water protection plans that were were completed then. I uh, actually live in the uh, Beaver Hills of, of uh, Saskatchewan, northwest of, of Yorkton. I farm with my uh, wife and, and a couple kids that are both going to university now. And uh, we started the Citizens Environmental Alliance uh, oh, about three years ago. Um, after I retired, I noticed that uh, the the province was trying to uh, license the farmland drainage in the province, uh, which existed previous, uh, but there was about 95% of it didn't go through any licensing process and it, it was uh, done illegally. What they wanted to do was they wanted to license all this uh, all this drainage, but they weren't willing to go or go through any type of environmental assessment uh, process. Um, There was very few um, uh, public knowledge surrounding uh, what the ramifications of this were, was going to uh, be. And uh, we had seen, you know, over time, more and more wetlands lost and impacts to the, to the water environment and uh, natural environment in general. And uh, I brought together a group of uh, individuals and organizations in Saskatoon. And one of the things they, they recognized that uh, we need an, an organization to sort of lead their champion, uh, getting the farmland drainage and the uh, cumulative effects of it sort of in the, uh, in the public eye so that uh, 
we can make some conscious decisions on on uh, whether this is a good way to proceed or the possible uh, uh, restoration of wetlands or or the uh, or some sort of uh, environmental assessment of it so that we uh, uh, we don't just wake up one day and and say uh, you know look at we what we've done i know mm-hmm. that uh, that is one of the things we've always said is that uh, i think uh, future generations as much as in climate change are going to say the same thing uh for uh, farmland drainage and and the loss of wetlands and native areas is um uh, future generations going to say, you know, what were those guys thinking? And if I'm around to tell them, I'll say, you know, we really weren't. And that's uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things we really need to do. Yeah. Wow. This is this is really interesting, Jeff. I have to say, I didn't um, before reaching out to you for this podcast. I I hadn't heard of the Citizens Environmental Alliance, and. Um, you know, I, I come from an environmental science background and um, my partner does, and my husband does as well. Um, he was actually a conservation officer for a short, short while as, as well. And we talk about this stuff pretty regularly because we both grew up on farms in southeastern Saskatchewan. Um, and, and you know, in, in our lifetime, which neither of us are, are all that old, but in our lifetime, we've really seen um, drastic changes in the landscape in our, in our home region. Like I said, we now live near Blaine Lake and there's much more wetlands, much more, uh, forested areas and and still a lot of bush and, and the farmers are farming around, around those, um, you know, those, those bush acres throughout the landscape. But, um, you know, it's definitely something we talk about a lot is, is what is being done and what's going on when it comes to, um, you know, how we manage that at a provincial level, because it seems, at least back home in our home area, it, it seems like it's a bit of a free for all when it comes to draining um, and pushing bush. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and the biggest thing is it's about a cumulative effect, right? The The fact that, you know, one acre wetland here or you know five acres of aspen parkland here or that sort of thing i mean re- really what does it really matter and yet you know we're talking about hundreds of thousands of of acres uh, of wetlands that are lost in um, in saskatchewan alone and are continuing to be lost I, one of the problems is we're looking at uh, more and more of uh, the economic factors driving um what farmers or farming is doing we've gotten bigger and bigger uh, machinery and um, you know i think that uh, the the biggest farmers are listening to their uh, accounts and and not necessarily to their conscience about, about what's going on um, because uh, the environment doesn't you know in their mind you know pay the bills and they have arguments about well we're feeding the world and you know, I think that's a bit of a a stretch to to get it to that far, but uh, mm-hmm. the the long term accumulative effect of it is uh, is really um, concerning. There was a time in the middle of my career I thought, well, you know, we've got to uh, hit a saturation point in which you know we don't need or there won't be any more you know pushing of bush or much more drainage or that sort of thing. But I've seen it escalate. I've seen it 
you know, get faster. There was mm-hmm. the hills in the uh, Dana Hills that uh, east of Saskatoon that I was uh, uh, with another conservation officer at one time and uh, the inclines were, you know, uh, 45 degree. And I said, well, they'll, you know, they'll never knock this bush over and, and try to do something with it. And, and that's uh, exactly what they did. They knocked it down and they can only seed and combine in one direction, you know, running around to the top and then running to the bottom. But, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, the, it was important to, to, to make that. And we're seeing the same in drainage when we, we thought, well, you know, physically you can't, you know, run water uphill or anything, but now they're going to tile drainage and piping mm-hmm. uh, to be able to drain more land and, it's just getting worse, and uh, in a lot of ways, it's uh, uh, to the same extent as you know the loss of the Great Barrier Reef, or or actually the Amazon uh, rainforest. The the amount of wetlands we had before here and in the in the uh, the Midwestern U.S. and that sort of thing was uh, uh, considerable, and now you know there's the estimates that we've lost. Uh, 70 to 75 percent of our wet and it's been noted since uh, uh, the, the federal government did a, a a wetlands policy in the early 80s and it was noted that, that uh, you know uh, farm development was a major contributor to that and yet over time nothing nothing really happened with it and uh, it really hasn't um, been addressed and the Citizens Environmental Alliance is trying to get that and trying to have a, you know, a united voice to mm-hmm. uh, to at least make a conscious decision of whether we think if this is okay and this is what society wants, then then fine, you know, I'll live with that. That's what a democracy is. But let's go through this with uh, our eyes wide open about what, what we're actually doing and, and what the ramifications of it uh, really are. Yeah, for sure. And and what are we willing to lose, right? Like there's so much. And I think this isn't, you know, as well understood as as it needs to be kind of in the public realm, especially here in Saskatchewan. But the the services, you know, ecosystem services and services to humans that that wetlands and grasslands and and, um, you know, parklands provide. And I think you know, that's not as, as well understood. And I actually had someone on the podcast not too long ago talking about how, you know, as Canadians, we, uh, Canadians as a whole, we, we have this ideology that, you know, there's just so much open space and then we have all these vast, um, natural areas that, um, you know, how could we ever make, uh, you know, an impact or have a big enough impact to cause any damage. And so we're often looking at other places of the world, um, like you mentioned, the Amazon and saying, oh, you know, well, others are, are uh, you know, doing so much worse than us. And, and that's just not true, actually, when you when you look at the look at the landscape changes and and environmental impacts here in in Canada. And so kind of taking stock of that and and, and recognizing it, I think, is is step one. And then as as you guys are doing with the, the Citizens Environmental Alliance, um, you know, making a shift or at least raising some awareness so that we're conscious that, you know, if this is the direction that we're going um, you know, these wetlands and, and the associated ecosystem services are not going to be here in the future. So. Yeah, that, that's right. It was interesting that uh, when I was a wetland specialist, when uh, I, I approached far, other farmers, I was farming at the time as well, uh, 
on the side that approached farmers and they they said well jeff you you talk about uh you know the impacts to water quality and downstream flooding and this sort of thing but you know where's the science backing this up it reminds me of the climate change issue they've always where was the science sort of thing and argue you know that they don't want to change because the science doesn't support that and at that time it was uh, mostly american studies that really did this but in the in the last uh, 20 years uh, we've did a lot of scientific research in saskatchewan uh, in the hydrology water quality and uh, just a host of other areas uh, concerning the impacts from farmland drainage and we we found and it's all supported the uh, what we've already known uh, what's happened in Iowa and, and other midwestern US states um, about the high impacts that we have of it and in fact I um, didn't realize until about a year and a half ago um, a university professor from Regina uh, uh, it was I just happened to do a presentation on on uh, Citizens Environmental Alliance uh, and farmland drainage to uh, the university class there, and uh, the professor was telling me about the um, research that she was doing involving methyl mercury and the fact that we're adding mercury to our waterways as as uh, a result of of uh, farmland drainage of of drainage and and what we're doing with the wetlands so uh, you know we don't even know uh, all the all the aspects of of the impacts that we're having so um yeah. it's it's something that we we really need to uh, look lo- long and hard at and the citizens is trying to yeah thanks for sharing that jeff i think that's that's important right like that's something that um you know, is one of those things that'll be a future, you know, 25 years from now or 30 years from now, looking back, um, you know, it'll be the people of that day saying, well, how the heck didn't we know these things are, you know, why wasn't this um, talked about or more shared? And and that's typically the way these things go. So, um, you know, it's important that that you guys are doing the work that you're doing to, to raise awareness and have those conversations. Um, yeah, because it's not just the loss of the wetlands and, and you know, the impacts on birds and, and species, but also the impact it's going to have on on agriculture and on soils. And, you know, if we continue to have, you know, extreme drought years like like we're in right now for most of the province, um, you know, what what value those those wetlands provide um, in terms of even just holding moisture um, you know, in the regions where it's needed, you know, I think, again, not necessarily something we're really talking about widely at this moment, but it's definitely something that should be, should be more of a discussion, especially because the science is pretty clear around the fact that this, this year that we've had this year, that seems like an anomaly in, in my, you know, memory, um, is, is likely not going to be an anomaly. It's, it's going to be more normal moving forward. So, Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Jeff, a little bit about a little bit more about the the Citizens Environmental Alliance. So, um, you know, who is involved in that, and sort of what is the strategy or, or approach to to you know having these conversations and, and doing the advocacy work that you guys do? Well, it's completely a, a volunteer uh, organization, 
and its members include, you know, uh, professors, farmers, indigenous people, uh, you know, just the the broad range of of citizens. Uh, one of the unique parts is that it includes civil servants who are currently working, and um, them voicing their uh, concern about this subject is actually uh, potentially having uh, ramifications for their work um, as far as um, getting getting fired to be blatant uh, oh, outright geez. and uh, therefore you know we keep our our membership lists and who's on it uh, very very um, restricted and and that sort of thing uh, and we try to um, you know integrate people into the conversation uh, all the time dependent on you know what area of expertise that uh, that we need in you know hy- hydrology or the indigenous perspective or um, the uh, water quality issues and, and that sort of thing so that that's sort of uh, where the citizens environment uh, environmental alliance um, is and it, it is only citizens uh, we don't actually have organizations specifically as members and mm-hmm. the, the main reason for that is that organizations have the you know their own challenges when it comes to you know agreeing or disagreeing to certain uh, patterns yeah. and that sort of thing the, the other thing about the citizens environmental alliance I'll I'll, I'll mention is that uh, uh, it is a uh, action orientated uh, organization one of the things uh, found too too long and when I was a watershed planner it was bad when they said well you're Jeff you're a planner and you get the plan and then you just hand it back to the people or to government and they do what they want with it and I said well there there was way too many years that uh, people did plans and all they did was you know get put on a shelf and that, that sort of thing implementation and doing something is uh, just as important and and that's what we did um, with, with the watershed plans is went through an implementation period with the planner and uh, actually yeah. uh, developed the uh, organizations that uh, that are now uh, implementing the plans throughout the uh, throughout the pro- pro- province yeah for sure that's that's great and i mean implementation of of any planning process is always the most challenging part but there's definitely a need to have more citizen participation, citizen push in terms of the need for those plans to be implemented, right? Like our, our, our governments and, and, you know, by extension, our, our awesome civil servants, they can only do so much and, and having people, um, you know, people who live, work and play in these places, um, you know, kind of involved and, and kind of pushing for that change really helps to, to move the implementation phases, um, forward, which it sounds like that's, you know, that's exactly kind of, you know, what you guys are doing in the Citizens Environmental Alliance as well. It, it's also interesting the way economics is driving, uh, like on the farmer side, but even when you consider that on the economics, on the development side, uh, the province is actually funding uh, millions of dollars in uh, additional drainage and drainage research and operational plans. Uh, for drainage and that sort of thing, but they do very little funding of actual the environmental side of that, uh, right. both 
provincially and federally, which um, gets to be an oxymoron. You you don't don't want to, uh, I guess, be promoting something on one hand and then trying to negate it on another. But uh, uh, that's essentially uh, what well what they're not doing by by funding any any of that. Uh, water is so important, and when we come to the watershed. Uh, groups or that sort of thing that they they should have basic funding from both the province and the federal government to to support the actions they're doing for the whole environmental sort of side of it uh, when we when we look at the farming side you know they have support from the uh, chemical companies and and uh, uh, implement companies and you know there's a whole mm-hmm. host of economic drivers and and ways to be supported on that side but when when we look at the environmental organizations and that sort of thing you know trying to run on on memberships and then the sale of coffee cups and t-shirts well uh it's really hard to uh to really do a lot uh, of that and and you're right and apathy is uh for a lot of the organizations i've volunteered and in other local community organizations and that as well. And you find the, the same 10 people sort of sitting there. And I think we need, we need other people to step up and, and think about the fact that uh, the environment is important and uh, the future uh, generations are, you know, need looking after. Uh, that's one of the, yeah. the concepts that, uh, that bothers me is uh, you know landowners and landowner rights and the belief that you know they can do whatever they want and uh, I I think that, uh, that there needs to be a reconciliation with the fact that uh, you know we're just borrowing this land from our future generations that uh, you know we we don't have the the right to um, do a lot of the things that we are doing and. And taking out the societal benefits uh, from for now and and into the future. So, and our political system doesn't help. I mean, we we look at a four year election cycle. It's hard, you know, when we talk about climate change. I think that's why things are so slow. Is in the future, you know, when things are thirty, forty, fifty years uh, down the road um, in the future, that uh, things are going to uh, be in a worst case scenario. Um, the politicians are really sort of dealing with now in the next four years. And the same goes for, you know, the accumulative effects, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, uh, accumulative effects of farmland drainage and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really important, Jeff, the way you just said that, right. We, we, as, as landowners, um, you know, yes, you, you own the land, but your lifetime on the scale of, of the, the importance of that parcel of land is such a small minuscule piece of it. Right. And, and, and how we treat the land and how we um, impact it during our time here has, has huge implications for future generations. And that's something, I mean, I, I think, obviously, you do too, that we all should really care about. But it's definitely not something that, um, you know, the way our, our current economic system, it doesn't, you know, typically value that that kind of long-term thinking. So it's definitely a need for a, a shift and kind of some so a collective movement as it, as it is. So 
yeah, I appreciate that you that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, that long term thinking being being important, and it's definitely not definitely not conducive to how our political system is set up for sure. So, yeah, well, one of the things is, you know, I think we could learn more from our indigenous people and their attitudes towards land and water, and uh, you know, more us being on equal footing versus us being dominant, the dominance over all this. I, I think that, uh, you know, their idea that uh, of it being mother earth and, and water being, uh, you know, so important, uh, not only uh, economically, but, you know, culturally and, and for, uh, you know, a host of other, other uh, good reasons. I, I think that we need to be changing our, sort of our pioneering um, immigrant sort of uh, idea that, you know, the almighty buck is what really counts and that sort of thing. And we need to be saying, you know, we need to be content and that sort of thing. I think it's a lot like the fossil fuel, oil and gas and coal industry, you know, until we know, and we do know that we don't have to, uh, destroy all these wetlands and native areas and everything um, in order to um, make money. We can do it other ways, but if, if that's the only way that we've known, um, then that's what people are going to continue to do. We need to uh, get our mindset changed and say, um, even with the fossil fuels to say, uh, we need to do something different and, and we need to do them. And we've really, pushed ourselves into a corner before we decide that, uh, that, that we need to change, that we need to go to, you know, electric uh, cars or we need, you know, this, this sort of thing. And that transition, I'm hoping that we can do it uh, fast enough uh, because I actually worry about uh, my future uh, kids and, and what, you know, what, what is it going to look like for them? Will, will the world be, uh, as good as it is and treated you and I and, and those that uh, are listening right now. And I, I really got to say, I don't know if that'll be true. I, I think I think the best years may have been here and gone. And unless we change what we've done, uh, things are things are really going to go uh, down the down the crapper hole. Yeah. And I, you know, I I agree with everything you just said, Jeff. And I think it's it's. Um, yeah, there's there's really a need for us to make some some pretty not gradual shifts. I think the gradual shifts needed to come 20 or 30 years ago. We're now at a point where, um, you know, there needs to be some hard, hard changes and 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 quicker changes, because I think about the, the same thing is, you know, I actually this summer was was something my husband and I talked about a lot was geez, the, you know, no water and so hot and there's fires everywhere and so much smoke. And, and just thinking about, you know, we, us complaining about that and, and, and what, what that was like for, for really one summer, um, you know, and, and thinking about if, if this is what the future looks like or worse, likely a lot worse, um, that that's not a world I want to live in. And it's not a world I, I want to leave for, for my children and grandchildren. So um, I wish that that was the language we were talking about at a larger scale. Um, Cause 
yeah, I think, you know, you, you start thinking about those things and it sure gets depressing, but I think it's, it's important as a motivator, right. To, to, you know, these are not changes that need to happen over, over long-term lots of years. It's things that need to happen here and now and and us as citizens and individuals need to be pushing for those things so yeah I appreciate that you that you shared that um so just to to maybe leave us off on a uh I guess a more positive or or optimistic note Jeff um I'm I'm wondering how so so for our listeners I know a lot of the time the questions that we get um you know from folks after they listen to an episode is hey that was really interesting you know, how can I learn more about that and, and how can I get involved? So I'm wondering, um, you know, how how can folks, um, you know, be in touch with the Citizens Environmental Alliance and, um, you know, maybe get involved or even just in general in their lives, if you have recommendations for how they can be more active in the space of, of wetlands and, and wetland conservation and, and all of that stuff. Right. The... Um... If you want to become involved directly with the Citizens Environmental Alliance, the best is to send us an email uh, or uh, you can go on our Facebook page um, and uh, send a message through that way. Our email address is cea.sask, S-A-S-K, dot 2018-2018 at gmail.com. And uh, we'll we'll try to integrate you. Uh, into some of the things that we're doing. Uh, we've got some upcoming meetings. Uh, actually, uh, one of the other things that have now come in focus that uh, the Citizens Environmental Alliance is heavily involved is the uh, $8 billion Lake Diefenbaker irrigation expansion. There's a lot of questions around uh, the sustainability of, of that going through and what it'll mean for um, not only you know, Saskatchewan residents, but it's also even downstream in Manitoba uh, and, and that sort of thing. And we're having some upcoming meetings uh, regarding that. Uh, I, th- I think as far as uh, individual people and, and uh, what you can do, I think the first thing is to to educate yourself about about the issues. Uh, don't don't be afraid of that. And then, and then secondary, uh, educate others. Um, don't be afraid to start the conversation and a lot of times these are you know hard conversations to have with another farmer who who's doing it but we can have it in a respectful way and, and get people thinking about it and uh and and from there they they'll uh maybe change their mind or or at least will bring some awareness to it uh, i think i think there's many organizations out there and as i mentioned before uh, they're always needing volunteers. The trouble with the same 10 people doing it, we're burning them out, and moving them to a different organization, then burning them out there. It's just, uh, it's just not good. Just do whatever you can, uh, what you can do. And another thing, or the final thing I would say would be to vote. The, the fact is, is that we, the politicians are controlling, uh, our lives and the future generations' lives, uh, and we need to uh, have people educated, and then voting on the party that uh, that uh, meets the needs of of the environment and, and that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that uh, we are uh, voting. Um, 
participation rate has gone down from mm -hmm. in the 70s, uh, in the 70s, um, of the 70 percent, uh, down to almost 50 percent of, of the people. So 50 percent of the people are voting in order to uh, decide on, you know, what direction to go. And uh, when we get on the economic versus uh, environment uh, sort of debate, because that's what it sometimes gets to, um, the economy aspect of it sort of gets pushed ahead. I always uh, paralleled it to, you know, riding in a car and the economy uh, sort of sat in the front seat and the environment sat in the back seat. And I always said, well, that wasn't really true. It wasn't even on the bumper. It was sort of getting dragged behind. The fact was is that the economy and decisions involving money were were the predominant uh, way that governments uh, sometimes made decisions. And it, it's the wrong thing. We can have the balance of both. So that uh, you know, voting and, and knowing the issues and, and getting the environment uh, talked about by your politicians when the election uh, time comes up, uh, that's just as important. Yeah, thank you for that, Jeff. I, I really appreciate those thoughts and and thanks for sharing the, the contact information there for the Citizens Environmental Alliance. And yeah, definitely a good reminder. I know I know lots of young folks and you know, especially 10 years younger than I, um, you know, we have conversations and, and they're really discouraged by by lots of things, but by the political system and, and don't necessarily um you know really connect with the power of of their own vote and, and having conversations and writing letters and and you know making making these issues known and and speaking up about them at a political level is really important. So thank you for that reminder and, and for sharing that. I think that's that's great and our listeners uh, need to hear that. So I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to chat with me today. I, I really appreciate it. I know I learned a lot and, and this is a subject that we haven't had a conversation yet on our podcast about in the 30 some weeks that we've been running. So this has been great. I, I really appreciate your time and thanks so much for chatting with me. No, that's fine. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad that we could bring more awareness to, to people uh, about the issue and uh, about Citizens Environmental Alliance really being interested in, in protecting the water uh, as well as our natural environment. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.